Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And this week, we have a special guest. A very special guest. In the room with me. That has literally never happened before. I am quite excited to be welcoming my beloved, my partner, Ethan, is here to talk with us about The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Hello. Hi. I'm here. This reminds me of the time that Chantel missed an episode because Chantel has missed episodes. Wow. And I had Sam on the podcast with me. Yeah. Your beloved. My beloved. My <laughs> my betrothed? Not anymore. No. My formerly betrothed, now You're married. formally betrothed. English <laughs> is such a funny language. <laughs> Every past tense verb and or adjective that sounds like a past tense verb is better if you add an accent grave to the E. Sure. So I just want to say before we get into this that we have some content warnings. Oh, do we? I'm coming into this knowing nothing about it. I thought this was a board game, so I'm... <laughs> You're thinking Betrayal at House on the Hill, which you think can speak to. Very, very good board game. Very good board game indeed. Which is different. Is it different? I mean, it's pretty much the same thing, so... Guys, I'm in for a wild ride is what I'm <laughs> thinking today, but tell us more about the content. <laughs> Have you seen the show The Haunting of Hell House? No. Girl. Ooh, also a very good show. Perfect season for it. Very different, though. Very different, but very similar. But it's also very different. the same, but opposite. <laughs> Okay, I'm too busy playing Pikmin 4 at the moment, so catch me once I've <laughs> completed the entire game 100%. New hyperfixation unlocked. Yeah, all of the Mike Flanagan shows on Netflix are amazing, incredible, show-stopping. I'm so excited for Fall of the House of Usher to come out. We're going to be watching that, and Ethan will be taking a break from playing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it, because Usher, that was niche. <laughs> Wow, what a pull. <laughs> <laughs> so content warnings. So content warnings. There are content warnings in this for family abuse. Oh, great. Ghosts. Um, I know that it's shocking that there are ghosts in a book called The Haunting of Hill House. Child death. More or less than last week. I'm going to say like the child death actually happens. It's not just hypothetical. Okay, not hypothetical baby brisket. Got it. <laughs> But hypothetically, there are fewer children. Okay. Okay. And suicide. For sure. That's one. So this is a fun, happy story is what oh, I'm hearing. Yeah. This is like sunshine and rainbows for spooky season. Mm -hmm. Cool. Good. Uh, I also want to tell people if you don't know any backstory on this book, I highly recommend the Words About Books episode on this. It's very, very fun. They do kind of a comparison between the book and the show, which we'll get into like a little, little smidgen, but they did a deep dive into it and their episodes are way longer than ours so they can talk about about it more. So, Ethan. Yes. Do you have a summary for us? You brought us a summary of the book, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> we have five hours for your summary. That's how much time I've allotted. Oof. That's going to cut into Pikmin, so can you keep it under 40 minutes? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I think we got like eight hours, maybe? Eight hours? Eight hours? I think we can do that. But yeah. Pikmin! You can do that, right, Amster? No, Pikmin! <laughs> Pikmin 4 is my favorite Hill House adaptation. <laughs> I learned today that they sing. I didn't know they sung. <laughs> Did you know that they sing? No. Because I usually play video games without any sound on. And now I played with the sound on. And I, I learned that they sing. Aw, that's cute. The Pikmin do sing and it's adorable. They're singing in this. It's basically the same thing. Guys, Pikmin. They're singing <laughs> child ghosts in this. Are you excited? I haven't found any ghost Pikmin yet. So. Do the child ghosts sing? Oh, yeah. I don't remember the child ghosts singing. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get the show on the road. We have checks notes 12 hours. All right. So we open up. We've got an anthropologist named Dr. John Montague who invites two women who have supernatural inclinations. Is this British or American? It's American. Okay. To spend a while in this house that he's discovered that is said to be haunted and the house is called Hill House. Yes. Uh, I would like to point out, though, that he invites more than just the two of them. It's just those are the only two that decide to respond. That is true. I think he invites eight people. I, I thought it was 12. 12. So that's a pretty bleak RSVP. The apostles. <laughs> he invites a whole apostles worth of people and two show up. Yep. Okay. And the two that show up are Mark and Luke. <laughs> Those, those are apostles, I think, yeah. Good job. Luke definitely shows up. <laughs> Luke does. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tight podcast. <laughs> this podcast repertoire is going to be so toit. Everyone who's starting on this episode is going to be like, wow, they are so concise. Okay, so the two that actually decide to show up are Eleanor Vance, who is our protagonist. I like to call her by her nickname, Nell. She also goes by Nellie because she acts like she's 12 the whole time. That's fine. She's allowed. She's she has potential poltergeist experiences in her past. So as a kid, she experienced a storm where stones fell down around her house. Following that experience, she was the caregiver for a very ungrateful and abusive mother mm. who recently passed away. Oh. She also has a sister who has continued the abuse, who like didn't want to let her borrow the car to go to this and now had to steal it. Even though it's half of her car. It's half her car. Give her the car. Does she get the front half, the back half, or is it split down in the middle? Or like one of those sandwiches and it's like on the diagonal? Um, She is 12, so it's probably like the back seat that's hers. <laughs> she actually gets the front left corner and the back right corner. <laughs> she gets the trunk. She has to ride in the trunk because the sister has a traditional nuclear family. <laughs> Is she 12 or is she acting like she's 12? She's in her 30s. Okay. I think she's like 32. Uh, yes, actually, she confirms that she is 32. She is 32. See, I know things. Okay, so she's a youth. Cool. <laughs> so she doesn't get along with her sister, obviously. She also doesn't get along with her sister's husband or daughter. She doesn't have any friends and she hasn't been happy for any of her adult life. So she is raring to go on this experiment where she might meet new people. So she's having a quarter life crisis. Aren't we all? <laughs> okay. The other one who shows up is Theodora, who always goes by Theo. No last name. She's like Cher. I love this for her. <laughs> she has been tracked on lab tests to have potential psychic abilities. Don't we all? <laughs> Isn't that just what anxiety is? We've all had dreams where we see the future and then write it down. And then later that exact scene happens and we understand what the dream was all about, right? Like a little bit though, sometimes. Low key. If you have a card with wavy lines on it, Thea's gonna know. That is scientific lab tests yep. in the 50s? Oh, yeah. God, I... 60s? We'll say yes. I think Hill House is before that, isn't it? Hmm. Who's to say? Does it have a smidge of magical realism? Paranormal supernatural activities do occur, objectively. Cool. It's not like, ooh, maybe it's in their heads. Right. I mean, it's, it's maybe in their heads. All of their heads? One of their heads. All of their heads at the same time, Ethan? Was this author a contemporary 
contemporary with the Lockhart person who is a piece of shit? I have no idea who that is. Why don't you find out? Lovecraft, sorry. Oh, H.P. No, I think H.P. Lovecraft was long before Shirley Jackson. Okay. Shirley Jackson. Ethan's going to look it up for us. Shirley Jackson also wrote The Lottery, the short story The Lottery. You know that one? No. Girl. Oh my God. We need to get you on The Lottery. You are in for a treat. Well, I might know it. What is it about? If I tell you anything about what it's about, it's a spoiler. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Hill House was published in 1959. 50s and 60s. You are right. Cool. I'm sorry. I doubted you. Thank you. Never doubt her. <laughs> Nobody listens to Chantel, but most people should. I know, right? Most people are not me, though. <laughs> Ice. So Theo agrees to go to this because she has had an argument with her roommate. Mm. They've had a bad argument. So is this roommate another woman or a ghost? This is a roommate of the feminine persuasion. Okay. I mean, it's never confirmed, but highly implied. A very close companion of Theo's. Okay, a roommate. Got it. Also attending the study is Luke. He is the future heir of Hill House, and he is there to oversee the study and also pick up chicks. As one does. As one does when you're an apostle. Got it. Yeah. We're all well-versed in the picking up of chicks. <laughs> Do you guys call them apostles or disciples? And is there a difference? Uh, I called them my homeboys, but... <laughs> Okay. In French, it's disciple, so I wanted to know. I think I'd say apostles. I'd probably say disciples because it's easier to say. Okay, so they get to the house. Spooky shit ensues. Are you ready for the opening paragraph about the house? Yes. This is actually the first paragraph of the novel, and it's a flawless, stellar first paragraph. Okay. <clears throat> no live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and katydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against the hills, holding darkness within. It had stood so for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. Within, walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. That is spook. Oh, chills, right? Very spook. Spooky. Every time I hear it, just chills up my spine. <laughs> down my spine? I don't know. Up Ch and down. down. Chill chills travel in a direction along my spine. An <laughs> elevator of chills. I really like it because it is traditional gothic, like traditionally European gothic, where the haunted is in a building because traditionally like American gothic is the woods. European gothic is in a structure like castles and stuff. But it plays against that because it's not like, ooh, it's spooky and it's like rotting away and the stones are chipping and there's cobwebs everywhere. It's like, yeah, this is like a firmly built house and it's haunted as shit and scary as hell. American craftsmanship. <laughs> it also very much emphasizes like the kind of haunted house stories I like the most where like the house itself is the evil. Yes! Like right. um, Monster House. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Just like Monster House. <laughs> exactly like Monster House. Yes. I think that's its uvula. <laughs> oh. This is great. So it's a girl house. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. So the house is personified. Clearly. Like Ethan mentioned, it looks like an evil face. Like, you know, when you look at something and it looks like a face, like how cars have a face. Like when you draw like a house when you're a kid and you give it two eyes and a mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Like the door is the mouth and then the windows are the eyes. Yeah. 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 It looks like that and it looks like it's glaring at you. Cool. So it has shutters. Yeah. It's a shutter island house. And then the inside is like a maze, but all of the angles of the house 
are like slightly off. Like it's not built at 90 degree angles. It's built at like 87 degrees. So American craftsmanship. (laughs) Traditional American craftsmanship of 87 degree angles. It also is like really difficult to navigate. And later when they are trying to navigate it, the doors are like shutting behind them and they don't know where they are. So they have to like prop all the doors open, um, which is a fun little symbol for like wanting to open up the secrets of the house. But you can't. So they're like, okay, Dr. Montague, what's the deal with this house? And he's like, I don't want to tell you what the deal with this house is on your first night because you'll want to leave, which is not a thing to say to people when they arrive at your party. (laughs) Hey, why do you live in this creepy house that looks like it's angry at me? I can't tell you. I'm going to leave now. Thanks. He's like, you can't leave at night because the last person who tried to leave at night got crushed against a tree by his horse and died in the driveway. So it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, like, it's the... 50s and cars have been around for like 40-ish years at this point. Isn't it wild, the progress of inventions? I know. Like a century ago, we were in a little buggy and now Teslas are killing us in self-driving cars. And they're like, come on, Dr. Montague, tell us. That's a creepy thing to say. And he's like, all right. So he tells them the history of the house. The house was built by Hugh Crane 80 years ago. We know this because the introduction told us. Hugh Crane's wife was going to move in with him, but she died right before they moved in, like right before they moved in because her carriage overturned in the driveway. We have a history of things happening in the driveway. Hold on. Is the house haunted or is the driveway haunted? (laughs) I want to say like the property is haunted because there's stuff that happens around the property too, you know? Is it like a stone building? It's wood and stone, it says. Because I imagine like if they use stone also for the driveway, maybe the stone was haunted. Yeah, really haunted stoners. Yeah, and then if they use the stone for retaining walls, you know, it's retaining all of the bad juju. Yeah, that is something for sure. Yeah, for sure. I did not study architecture. I want to say that she crosses a river to get there. Maybe, did she cross a river to get there? I don't know. I have heard that mountains and water retain like haunting energies, which is why Victoria, BC is haunted as hell because there's mountains on one side and the ocean on the other side. Right. The ley lines or whatever they're called. Yeah. The ley lines are all off, man. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it's ever mentioned that she crosses a river to get Hell House, but there's definitely a brook on the property. Yes, that's it. See? Bad times. Haunted brook. So Hugh Crane, his wife dies. He moves into the property. He remarries. His second wife also dies in a mysterious fall. Maybe she broke her ankle just like on a piece of wood or something, you know, classic. You know how you break your ankle and then you just fucking die? (laughs) I mean, in that time, you could get infected and whatever. Could you? I guess. It's not that long ago. It's like a century ago. Yeah, but you could get like a bone infection if you don't catch it. Gross. Yeah. Here we are. Ankles (laughs) with Amy. Okay. He gets remarried again. His third wife. Guess what she does? Fucking dies. She dies. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at her dying. She dies of consumption. That's tuberculosis for those of you who are following John Green. (laughs) He is like, this house has kind of bad vibes for me now. I bet. He decides to close 
blows up the house and he sends his daughters to live with relatives because, you know, men can't raise children in this time. Right. That's simply unheard of. Well, at least some of his wives lived long enough for him to have children. Yeah, he has two daughters and he moves. I don't know where he goes. He fricks off. I think he stays in Europe for a little while because he went to Europe with his third wife to get her treated. Oh, yeah. He stays there for a bit. Gotta go somewhere less haunted. Right. Europe. Europe, famously not (laughs) known for ghosts. (laughs) So his daughters fight over the ownership of Hill House for a while and then his Mm -hmm. older daughter dies and she leaves it not to her sister, but to her companion. Sparknotes says caretaker. That is not the case. The book specifically says companion. She has a companion of the female persuasion that she has been living with who is younger than her, but age gaps are very common in the lesbian community. I'm sensing a theme. (laughs) She leaves this entire property belonging to her family to her companion. And then the historians of Sparknotes are like, they were just really good friends. They were just really close. They had a sisterly bond, I think. You know what's annoying? Mm. Like if you had like an older man and a younger caretaker, Sparknote would be like, we're not sure if there were any romantic things, but probably we ship it. But because it's two women, Sparknote's like, Say no to gay. It's not even her caretaker. It's just a woman who lived with her. God forbid women live together. Because <laughs> you know how friends move in together, share a life together, and then leave their family property to each other, and then get buried in the same grave, in the same coffin, on top of each other platonically? Famously platonically, <laughs> yes. So the younger sister harasses the companion and she harasses her so much that the companion actually hangs herself in the turret of the house. Not the turret. That's the best part of the house. Um, It's also a library. (gasps) That's the best part of the house. That's why the library smells weird. Haunting smells are coming from the library. It's not the musty books or anything. No, that's impossible. Ridiculous. What a stupid suggestion. Of course. Um, (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it is only Nell that can smell it, so... Is it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the others uh, mentioned that they didn't smell anything. Nell is fun. The house is now owned by the companion's relatives, who are the Sandersons. Luke is related to the Sandersons. That's a famously spooky name. So there's various haunted crap that happens in the house. We mentioned there's a weird smell in the library. There's a cold spot in the nursery. The nursery is hella haunted. Nell tries to look at the tower at some point, and she like leans over the balcony, and she almost falls over the railing. Well, don't lean onto balconies. That's like spooky building 101. <laughs> I would be in this house taking no risks. I would be a no risk Snelly. But Nell is <laughs> not being a no risk Snelly. She's being a yes risk Snelly. All risk all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, she's finally out living her life. Leave her be. Nell was like, what do I have to lose? My sister? Perfect. <laughs> oh, it's rough out there. Nell also hears her mom calling her in the night and then she runs to Theo's room and then they hear like banging in the hall and then someone's like shaking their door. Later there is chalk writing in the hall that says help Eleanor come home and Theo is like hey Eleanor um specifically mentions you by name you didn't happen to write that did you to which the ghost then goes to Theo's room and writes in blood the same message help Eleanor come home Eleanor and then fucks up all of Theo's clothes doesn't it also quote the song that Nell's been singing the entire book up until that point oh yeah what's the song oh god journeys end in lovers meeting yeah that's the only 
only part I can remember now. <laughs> That's important. At one point, Nell hears a child being tortured in another room, and then she holds Theo's hand for comfort and falls asleep, and then she wakes up holding Theo's hand, and then she looks over, and Theo is out of reach completely, and then she looks down, and there's no hand, and she's like, who the fuck's hand was I holding? Can I make an aside? I would love if you would make an aside. Journey's Ends and Lover's Meetings is from Twelfth Night. <gasps> oh, shoot. It is, isn't it? That's so fun. That's your favorite Shakespeare play. You didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, you're you're, <laughs> you're welcome. At one point after Theo and Nell get into a fight and Nell runs out of the house and then Theo runs after her and then they are like walking and they find this black pathway surrounded by white trees and it's all this creepy black and white scene that hasn't been here before. And then they find some kids having a picnic and they're like, ooh, creepy ghost kids. No thanks. Where's Montague in all of this? Montague's like always somewhere else until like the last couple nights. Him and Luke are hanging out, playing chess. They're just chilling. They're playing chess. Right. As boys do, I guess. Why are they always off on their own? I think that there are multiple relationships going on in this book. That's my theory. No, no, they're, they're just companions. <laughs> they're very good friends but who like to play chess at two in the morning. So Hell House actually ships Luke and Montague together and is trying to pair them up. <laughs> That's what all of this is. It's like, yeah, Luke is flirting with Eleanor and then disappears with Montague for five hours. So Dr. Montague's wife shows up with her boy toy. So the guy, Mrs. Montague, is and is named Arthur. Cool. I don't know why I pictured him this way, if they actually described him this way, or if I was just kind of doing a carryover from reading Dracula a little bit before this. But to me, in my head, he's like one of those traditional like cowboy Americans who just walks around with a gun. Is that what he's like? No, he's he's a school headmaster. Okay. So he's not Arthur Morgan. Okay, cool. I think I was reading this at the same time I was reading Dracula and I'm like, yes, he is the same person as the gun American from Dracula. <laughs> Clearly. Cool. Fun. Mrs. Montague is like a spiritualist and she's all like, oh, you're doing this wrong. You're being too scientific. Because Dr. Montague's like measuring the cold spot in the nursery and stuff and she's like bringing out her planchette to commune with the spirits. So he's like scientific method. She's like vibes. Yeah, she's there for the vibes. And cool. she's like, the reason you guys aren't experiencing any ghost behavior is because you're just not in touch with your spiritual sides. And then she doesn't get any ghost experiences the whole time she's there and everyone else does. That's hilarious. It's very excellent. That is very funny. So she pulls out her planchette and I don't know exactly what a planchette is, but I just picture a Ouija board. Yeah, that's what it would be. Yeah, it's the thing you move across the Ouija board. Fabulous. So she gets the message that a ghost named Nell um. wants to go home for, why? Mother. And then everyone turns to Eleanor and she's like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> she's like, well, okay. Oh, dear. Mrs. Montague also insists on sleeping in the nursery, which is the most haunted room in the house, as we know. Okay. And suddenly the cold spot just disappears. The ghost is like, the vibes here are off now. <laughs> Right. The ghosts were like, well, we don't need to be here anymore. Yeah. She's here. That's enough. It's awkward when you like want it too much. Right. You can't want it so much. Yeah. The ghosts are like, ugh, we couldn't possibly be scarier than her. <laughs> Play a little hard to get. You don't need to be desperate for it. Don't be desperate for ghosts. <laughs> 
So the main cast of characters, everyone except Mrs. Montague and Arthur, hang out in this one bedroom for the night. And then they start hearing banging in the hall again. And they start feeling the door shaking again. Right, because they've been like excommunicated from their bedroom in the nursery because fucking what's her face is in there. Well, they weren't sleeping in the nursery. They were sleeping in the blue room and the green room, respectively. No, but the ghosts were staying in the nursery. And now the ghosts have to find somewhere else to sleep. (laughs) Now they are roomless. Roomless ghosts. Like the ghost in uh, the Empress Hotel in Victoria, BC, which is haunted as hell. Sure. They turned her room into an elevator because it wasn't making any money because people kept leaving because it was so haunted. So now she just wanders the hallways being like, where's my room? Can you help me find it? Cool. Someone go stay in the sixth floor of the Empress Hotel in Victoria, BC and tell this woman that she's allowed to stay in your room and then tell me how that goes, please. Cool. I stayed in a hotel once where Ernest Hemingway had slept. I feel like Ernest Hemingway has like a million places that he's been. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to has been somewhere that Ernest Hemingway has been. Yeah, he was prolific both with the pen and with his moving around, I guess. Other pen. (laughs) Sure. Dude got around. Dude got around. (laughs) Okay. So they're hanging out. Blah, blah, blah. Door shake. Nell passes out. Something happens while Nell is passed out. No one will really tell her what happened, but she wakes up the next morning. Luke's face is bruised and Theo's like, we had a little run in with the house. What does it mean? Did the house just run at you? (laughs) And then Nell starts like hearing and seeing a bunch of ghosts that no one else can see. So she hears a child singing. She goes to the library in the middle of the night telling herself that she's getting a book but she knows that like she's not really in control of her movements. She's just rationalizing to herself why she's allowing the house to take her to the library. She's like, oh, I just want to do some you know how you want to do some like 3am reading. Yeah, yeah, it's like when you're in an airport and you're on those conveyor belts things and you're just like, yeah, it's fine. I can just go past my gate. It's okay. It's <laughs> good for the goose. Yeah, I wanted to go this far anyway. Yeah. Uh, so once Nell is in the library she hears a voice say come along and then she wakes everyone up like banging on their doors she becomes like the ghost who was banging on the doors now she's banging on the doors and she's like running up and down the halls and like banging on the doors and then they wake up obviously so she's like oh i gotta hide i gotta hide from the people so she like hides because she has a sense of like where everyone is in the house and then she runs up the turret you know the super haunted turret yeah and then luke has to like coax her down from this super haunted turret and the middle of the night. Luke could have just left her there. I mean, he shouldn't though. <laughs> Dangerous behavior. We're in the home stretch. Home. The next morning, everyone's like, Eleanor, you need to get out of here. Like, you are letting the house get to you way too much. You have got to skedaddle. Mrs. Montague makes her only good decision ever, where she says someone needs to drive Nell home. And then Dr. Montague makes his, like, 11th bad decision of the book when he's like, no, she needs to drive herself home because she needs to cut all ties with the house and everyone in it immediately. Sounds like a bad time. So Nell starts driving away. Where? In the driveway. What happens in the driveway? Nothing good happens in the driveway. Nothing good happens in the driveway. So she's driving and she's like, oh, look at those stupid people. They think they can stop the house from getting me. And then she drives directly into a tree and she's like, why is no one stopping me from doing this? And then she dies. Fun. And that's the end of the book. And no one takes the study seriously that Dr. Montague was doing. The end. I wonder why. Yikes. Thoughts? Questions? Concerns? Comments? I am picturing the house in Knives Out. Okay, yeah, I love that for you. Mm. Yeah, and how, you know, in Knives Out, like she has to take an exit. 
to not be seen by the like security cameras. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, yeah. Like that, except there's a tree in the way. Oh no. <laughs> Which is not fun. This is sounds interesting. Is it a very long book? No, it's really short. I recommend it. I actually did enjoy reading it. Shirley Jackson is an incredible writer. It's good. One of my favorite books. Yeah, you stole it. Yeah. Tell us about how you stole the book. Uh, I'd rather not implicate myself. <laughs> Can you tell me how he stole the book? Yeah, he stole it from school. Yeah, I've done that too. Don't worry about it. Steals books from school all the time. How many stolen books do you have? <laughs> Ooh, um, more than one, less than 15. (laughs) (laughs) I have one, if you don't count all the copyright. And even that impacts your Catholic guilt. Well, that school's now defunct now, so those books would have gone to the trash anyways. Well, why do you think that school went out of business? Because people kept sending their kids to the public school in town instead. Do you think maybe it's because people kept stealing all their books? No, we had 49 students in the entire school the year I graduated. That'd do it. Yeah. Okay, so I have some uh, motifs. Tell me more. Themes. Ghosts. Ghosts. Phantoms, if you will. Specters. Spooky people. Yeah. So Nell is a very imaginative person. Some would call her childish. I would like to refer to her as childlike. I think the word we used for that in the early aughts was quirky. She is. She is. <laughs> she is a manic pixie dream girl a little bit. She's very Zoe Deschanel in New Girl. A little. Yeah. A little bit. But spooky. 500 Days of Autumn. <laughs> It's funny because at the end of that movie, he does meet a girl named Autumn. Yeah, it is funny. Okay, so she was like driving to the house in her stolen car. Which she then crashes. Eventually, yes. See, that's why her sister didn't want her to take the car. Maybe her sister was the one with the psychic powers all along. Yeah, her sister made her crash the car. It's all an insurance scheme. It's insurance fraud. (laughs) The sister was like, I have a growing family. I need a better car. Needed a better car. Got her sister to crash it. Now she gets to have both, I'm guessing, insurance money for the car, but also for the person insurance fraud. I do kind of wonder why no one suspected that the sister was the one who was making it rain rocks. The rocks were just raining on the house. Yeah. Anyway, so Nell is like driving past all of these houses and she's like, see, there's a house with some stone lions. I could live in this stately house with the stone lions and the stone lions could welcome me home every day and I could be like a stateswoman. Oh, look, there's like a fairy circle in the woods. I bet there's fairies there and I could be taken away by fairies. And she's like stopping at a diner and there's a kid who's like crying because her parents won't let her drink out of her cup of stars because she's got a cup with stars at the bottom and she wants to drink out of it. And Nell's like, yeah, I relate to the three-year-old child more than the parents. I also think that you should stand by your cup of stars and demand your cup of stars, little girl. And she keeps singing this song, the one that you found was sort of Twelfth Night. Yeah. That has the line, journeys end and lovers meeting. And she keeps repeating that every time she's nervous throughout the story. Interesting. And I wanted to just float that as something that we can talk about. Do we think that the journeys ended in the lovers meeting? What do we think of that? I mean, like, as weird as it sounds, it does seem like she fit in the most at Hill House. That's so sad because she, like, didn't fit in at all. No, she didn't fit in with the people, but the house kind of took a liking to her. Oh, that's true. She fit in with the ghost of Hill House better than she ever fit in with the living. Mm -hmm. Okay, do you guys want to know what the actual, like, full part of this is in Twelfth Night? Yeah. Yes, please. Okay, so the clown is singing. It's in Act 2, Scene 3. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stay and hear your true love's coming. That can sing both high and low, trip no further, pretty sweeting. Journeys end in lover's meeting. Every wise man's son doth know. What is love? 
Tis not hereafter. Present mirth had present laughter. What's to come is still unsure. In delay there lies no plenty. Then come kiss me, sweet and twenty. Youth's a stuff will not endure. I like that. Mm. That's definitely not what she's singing, but I like it a lot. Uh, no, it is. She's just mixed up the lines a bit. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, I think she sings like four of the lines, but in different orders. You know, you could read into that as like she interprets things just a little bit off. You could interpret that that she is like an unreliable narrator because her perception mm. of the world is just slightly skewed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like a whole like thing to be done here in the reading of like her mental health maybe not being the best yeah and like a depersonalization thing going on oh she definitely does that she has like full dissociation episodes where she just sits there while everyone's having a conversation around her and she's just like listing her own attributes in her head and then they'll be talking about like how the house was built on the site of something happening and all the angles are 87 degrees and she's like I have red shoes and they're like what are you talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and at another point, she's talking about how differently she thinks when she's scared versus when she isn't. And um, when she's like not afraid, she like sees herself like in the situation, surrounded by everything. But when she's afraid, she's like detached from it because everything around her, like the tables and chairs, they aren't afraid, but she is and she can't see herself in that environment. Oh, so she kind of like when she's afraid, she sees herself already as a ghost. Mm. It's almost like she necessarily needed to become a ghost because that's where she fit in best. It's like how um, in Twilight, Bella's really clumsy as a human and she doesn't fit in. And then as soon as she becomes a vampire, she's like, yes, this is my time. Right. I think also like if she comes from a background of being abused, like not being present in a certain situation would probably make her safer, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so it a might trauma be like response. a trauma response. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I haven't read the book. <laughs> I've just been to therapy. That's very Amy analysis. Yeah. I also do think there's a lot of stuff about like the feminine bonds in the book. Like Theo and Nell have a very close friendship. They have a companionship, you could say. You could say that they're companions. Something more. The spark note says they have a sisterly love, but I don't think so. (laughs) There's some kind of love there. They got sparks. Taylor Swift, sparks fly. Taylor's version. So they have a lot of like moments where they are getting really close and they're like bonding about like stuff where they're very similar and stuff where they're very different. Like Nell's mom was very overbearing and confined her to the house. So she has like an anxious attachment style. And then Theo's parents kind of abandoned her and like sent her to private school, like boarding school. So she has an avoidant attachment style. So like at first they're very close and they're bonding over their trauma. And then as the book goes on, Nell's getting very clingy and Theo was like, oh, get away from me. I don't want to deal with this. Right. Classic. Actually, in addition to that, Nell actually becomes very distrustful of Theo because Theo begins to think like, hey, a lot of these hauntings are like surrounding Nell. Maybe she's like kind of putting it on a bit. And so Nell kind of like becomes very distrustful of Theo and her intentions. Yeah, it's like at my Halloween party when my mom wanted to put on a seance and then Will kept blowing on the candle. Right. Theo thinks that Nell is blowing on the candle. I might not have been there for that part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think like sensible people, we stayed far away 
from that. Yeah, because when Ruth tells me I'm going to do a spooky seance, I go, I'm not going to be here for this. I know too many dead people. <laughs> I'm just not going to be involved to things. You know, it's the final rest. Why do we got to bother them? They're, They're resting. Just chilling. You know, leave a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Ghost cannot come to the phone right now. <laughs> Your dead grandma. <laughs> But Nell does trust Theo a lot at first. She takes a lot of comfort in her. She, like, seeks out Theo every time she's frightened. Like, when she hears the calling in the night for her, she goes to Theo. When she hears, like, the kid being tortured in the room next to her, she tries to hold Theo's hand, tries actually holds a ghost's hand instead, maybe. And she gets really jealous when, like, Luke is talking to Theo. And my prof kept being like, it's because she has a crush on Luke. I'm like, what are you, where are you getting this from? <laughs> Was this for your American history? Uh, uh, it was American Gothic. And this was the only actual American Gothic that we read in like the whole class. Fun. He did a lot of just like, yeah, you know, like just American history is kind of Gothic. And we're like, I think you just want to teach American history. Maybe go do that. Mm, right. Fair. I think it would be very interesting to like dive into the fact that like the house itself is trying to distance Nell from Theo, like her support system. <gasps> oh my god! The house is the abuser. Mm. Because that's what abusers do. They isolate you from your support system. That's brilliant. Mm. I love that a lot. Could the house have a thing against women? I think the ghost in the house is a woman. Oh, Wife number one? No. What do you think, Ethan? Because I have a theory about who the ghost is. I would love to hear your theory. It says whatever walked there walked alone. And it says that at the beginning and the end. So it gives the impression that there's one ghost who the house takes as at a time. Like the house is a poltergeist? Yeah, the house is a poltergeist. That's brilliant. So it would have been in order, the first wife, then the second wife, then the third wife, then the companion of the oldest daughter. Yeah. So I think the companion of the oldest daughter is like the house. And she was abused and harassed and silenced. And so Nell has a lot in common with her. So she like seeks out Nell to be the next one to replace her. Yeah, I wonder if she like, like, I don't want to like excuse abusers, obviously. But what if she's like trying to separate her from Theo because she, as a companion, wink, wink, is like, I would like to have a companion in the afterlife, not knowing that, you know, when she kills Nell, she gets replaced kind of thing. She just poofs. We don't know where she goes. Yeah. It's a really interesting last line. Whatever walked there walked alone. It's like the same exact passage repeated from the first to last paragraph. Right. But in the show version of The Haunting of Hill House, um, spoilers for the show version of The Hunting of Hill House, highly recommend you go watch it. But the first lines are the first lines of the book, basically. Right. But the last lines replace that with whoever walked there walked together. Oh, weird. Well, it makes sense with the story because mm. the ghosts, okay. I literally, like, you see the ghosts and they're walking together. But interesting. I, I think it's fascinating to, like, consider who the house is. The house is, like, the character of the ghost. Yeah. It's like how in Sex in the City, New York is the fifth character. I love that. There's some other characters that we haven't mentioned yet, and those are the caretakers, the actual caretakers, not the companion, of the house, who are the Dudleys. They live a couple miles away from the house. Smart. They will not be on the house property after dark. And smart. As also soon very smart, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do they never use a driveway also? Because <laughs> smart. They actually just walk. They're actually only there for like two hours a day because they walk both ways. So they encourage Nell to 
leave as soon as she gets there. And she immediately starts like doubting if she's going to be able to continue with the study and Theo talks her into staying. But you notice something about the kitchen with the Dudleys because Mrs. Dudley works in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. One part I really enjoyed when they're first like exploring the house, Nell and Theo stumble upon the kitchen and they're looking around and they're wondering like, why are there so many doors leading out of this kitchen? And then they come up with the idea that maybe Mrs. Dudley had Mr. Dudley like install all these doors so that if she ever had to run, she would always have an exit somewhere. And there's so many that lead to the outside, right? Yeah, there's like three of them, I think, that lead to the veranda. Wow. It's like, here's the door that leads to the hall, and here's the door that leads to the veranda, and here's the door that leads to the study, and here's the door that leads to the veranda. (laughs) Mrs. Dudley's terrified of the house, especially Mrs. Dudley. Both of them don't like it. Yeah. But I wanted to pose the question of like, what the hell is up with the Dudleys, and why are they staying in this house they're terrified of? (sighs) So like, yes, they're terrified of the house, but like, I think specifically with like Mrs. Dudley, she has like a bit of respect for it. Okay. Because like, Mrs. Dudley has her routines and one of the things that the characters routinely mock her for is that she sets breakfast at the same time every day because the plates must be back on the shelf and the linens belong in the linen closet and everything has its place. So she has OCD. (laughs) Mrs. Dudley, famous OCD queen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that they're like keeping the house calm. Oh, interesting. They're like the house appeasers. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, you don't cause the house trouble, the house doesn't cause you trouble. Again, spoilers for the show version of this, but the Dudleys have a very strong reason to stay at the house in the show. Mm. Uh, Amy, can I spoil this? Yes. So in the show, Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, the Dudleys have a daughter at the beginning. And Luke is the son of the Crane family. They like have the same character names, but they're all like a family. Um, One of them's name is Shirley after Shirley Jackson. Cute. Luke keeps saying that he's got this friend named Abigail. And they're like, oh, isn't that cute? He's got a little imaginary friend and he sees her in the woods and stuff. No, it's the Dudley's daughter that he's been playing with. And he brings her home one day and the house has taken the mother by then. And the mother like poisons Abigail Dudley. So Abigail Dudley becomes a ghost in the house. So her ghost is like tied to the spirit of the house. She can't leave. Right. And that's why the Dudleys stay, because they want to be with their daughter and they can be with her forever as long as they're in the house. Right. Hmm. But I like your theory about the book version of them, Hmm. that they're just like keeping the house as a chill dude. (laughs) Yeah. They're just like, we know this house. We know how it works. Don't fuck it up. Do you guys have a rating scale for each other? I have a rating scale. On a scale of nursery cold spot to lukewarm. How would you rate this book, Amy? Do you want to start? Well, as a person who has not read it, ruining what I'm guessing is yellow wallpaper in Theo's room. It's green. It's green? It's green. Ah, that's a bummer. Yeah, Theo has the green room and Nell has the blue room. Well, you take the blue out of the green and it's yellow, so I'm not wrong. (laughs) Okay. You know, I think it has a lot of potential. You know, I think it sounds fun. You know, kind of like the yellow wallpaper is fun, but I have not read it. So here we are. So you would rate it. That's like a six. Like a yellow room temperature. Correct. Amazing. Love it. Ethan. I would say that on that scale, I would rate it sitting by the fireplace in the parlor. You know, the one room where they never see a haunting. Oh, I love that. So you really like the book. Oh, I love the book. 
Book's fantastic. Love the book so much. <laughs> also, the Mike Flanagan TV show on Netflix, not sponsored. That sounds pretty cozy. Like, do you think the book is cozy? I mean, it's not uncozy. There's like cozy haunting, which is a genre now. And this one's kind of like it's unsettling, but it's unsettling in like a nice way. Like you're going to be unsettled, but you're going to be happy about it. (laughs) Do you think it's less unsettling if you have mental health problems? Because you're like, can relate. (laughs) Or is it more unsettling because you have mental health problems? Because can relate. Depends on where you fall that day, I guess. (laughs) It's actually like... Um, Winnie the Pooh, where each of the characters in The Haunting of Hill House represents a different mental health problem. (laughs) Who's your favorite Winnie the Pooh character? Piglet. Eeyore. Eeyore, yeah. Because you guys are depressed as hell. Yeah. (laughs) He just means the best for everyone. He just wants people to be happy. Yeah. I just like how Piglet is small and has anxiety because I am small and have anxiety. True. But not as small as Amy. (laughs) Correct. How would you rate the book, Chantel? I would rate it standing cozily in the weird smelling library. That checks out. But like surrounded by the warmth of like insulation that is books. Okay. I really love the book. I think it was my favorite book that I read that year, maybe. I read it in fourth year when I took a lot of classes at the main campus of our university. We were at the haunted little small campus, which is very similar to the haunting house. house. Haunted us out. Very house. And um, it was home. It was home. It still is. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel like it is a fun one to keep coming back to because there's a lot to kind of dig up from like the symbolism of it. Right. And like you notice different things in the relationships of the characters. Like immediately when I read it, I did a queer read. Of course. Because I was like, oh, Theo and Nell are like super close. And Ethan did the same thing, right? Oh, yes. It was so obvious in the first reading. I don't know how anyone could not see it, but yet lots of people don't see it. Bigotry. And you know who didn't see it is my professor who has read it like a million times. And I was like, okay, so when are we going to do the queer reading? And he's like, what queer reading? I was like, what are you, why are you so heterosexual? <laughs> You're like, the many queer readings, actually. <laughs> like, the companion of the sister, Nell and Theo, being incredibly close. The house. The only straight people in the book are literally like Mrs. Montague and Arthur. <laughs> Could be by, And even then, they're like polyamorous at this point, probably. It's so, true. Like, it is true. You know, here we are. <laughs> but this time, you said you had, like, less of a queer read on it. Yeah, every, every time I read it, there's a slightly different reading. And yeah, this time, like, Theo's a terrible person in my latest reading. She's not great. Yeah. But maybe that's just Nell being unreliable and the house getting to her. I think it could be a combination of the two, because, like, based on her history, I do think it tracks for her to have an avoidant attachment style and that is like if someone's getting clingy you're gonna push them away Mm. and Nell's like can I move in with you after the study's over and Theo's like we've known each other for like a week absolutely not yeah she was (laughs) U-hauling Theo's like I need to go back to my roommate who I already U-hauled with (laughs) 
I think, you know, it's interesting that this all takes place in such a short amount of time also. Yeah, it's like a matter of like days to weeks, not like months. Yeah, I think it's like barely two weeks. Yeah. Maybe not even. A fortnight, so to speak. <laughs> Some would say. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I think that's it for the book, unless you have anything else to commentate about it. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice that helps other people put us into their ears. Soon we will be talking about more spooky season stuff. Words About Books is going to be coming on to talk with us about Edgar Allan Poe, who we hate very much, but like his writing. He's not even a problematic fave. He's just problematic, but I like his work. Problematic who produced faves. Yeah. He's dead, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) He's dead, so we can't give him any money. It's impossible. You can't take it with you, literally. Yeah. So you can find us at Unsighted Pod on any social media you decide to look us up on, probably. If we're not there, then sucks. Um, (laughs) And yeah, Chantel said, you know, just share an episode with someone you know, either if you like them or don't like them we will take a listen uh if you have any other spooky season reads to share with us uh we know what we're covering for this october but there are many many more octobers in life and we just like reading spooky stuff so share your ghost stories and whatnot with us also your thoughts on any ghost stories also your thoughts on any ghosts send us your ghost stories yeah love to hear it love to hear that ethan thank you so much for coming on the show of course thank you for having me it was very fun i'm so glad that I was here. I'm also very glad that you were here. As soon as I'm done with this recording, I'm actually going to go and recommend this podcast to all of my enemies because, you know, a listen is a listen, right? So... (laughs) A listen is a listen. I've already recommended it to all my friends. Oh, that's true. I need more people (laughs) to recommend it to. Shout out to Ethan's friends and enemies. Figure out which one you are. Yeah, I think you can figure out which one you are based on when this podcast was recommended to you. (laughs) And we hope to see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited. Unavailable. had a deja vu this is fun okay that's fine that means your brain turned off for a second i think that's because i reach a save point (laughs) (laughs) i like that i like that very much okay